Hello, and welcome back to Multimodal. This is a podcast where I talk about multimodal AI models. Today, I will not be talking about that. Instead, I'll be talking about a important announcement OpenAI put out in the private community Slack group. They basically announced they're shutting down the private Slack group. This group was mainly for people who had access to the OpenAI beta, which is a fancy way of saying specifically access to GPT-3. Uh, keep in mind, the Slack group used to be used. It had a few channels. So one channel was social good. That was pretty cool, like social good and impact channel. We had like a general chat where people would just sort of chat about GPT-3, the nature of it, maybe introduce themselves. There was a cool Slack channel called Cool Completions as well, where people would share interesting things they're discovering about GPT-3 and its capabilities. People would also raise safety and ethical issues and sort of deal directly with OpenAI. And they would also be able to ask specific support questions and OpenAI would chime in and maybe help them resolve. Now, that community they announced, I believe they're shutting down by June 30th. And instead, they're moving to a public website online forum, which is powered by Discourse Software. And that's instead where they want to move the whole community. Now, when I first heard this announcement, I was pretty torn. So I'll talk about the pros and cons of the Slack group. So there were a lot of pros. So I thought it was just awesome for networking, right? Like I have a YouTube channel, tons of people were able to privately just reach out to me and send me a DM, ask me a question, maybe ask me about a video, maybe give me feedback on my channel. Uh, perhaps they just got access to GPT-3 through a video I made on how to get access. And it was awesome. You know, I, I actually did make some cool friends thanks to the GPT-3 Slack group. And so because it's it's more instant and real time, real time and all those other things, <clears throat> it's just a lot easier to get to know people one-to-one -one because you are, you're also part of the same private group. So it was awesome for networking. It was awesome just to see what the community's up to, right? The cool completions channel, just to see what are the different areas people are exploring. Uh, is there something I can learn from other people and what they're doing specifically with their prompt design? Uh, and it was also interesting to just make things, whether it's a video or a product or something like that, post it in the OpenAI Slack group and just get feedback from different members of the community. And finally, it was nice to just have like a direct relationship to OpenAI, right? Whether it's people uh, on the support team, maybe people a little bit deeper working on the actual products. And the, the feedback loop was really tight in which you would you would say, you know, this could be better. And they did an awesome job actually implementing it and keeping you posted and all that stuff, right? Now, the downsides of the Slack group is as GPT-3 becomes more open, uh, just through the Slack group, you would see all these new members being added, right? And look, I'm, I'm down. I, you know, I made videos helping people get access, but a lot of the times OpenAI would just open it up and all of them would just show up and introduce themselves and sort of go through the same sorts of questions, the same sort of things. And you'd see these same patterns. And at the same time, like, you know, I, I don't know if there was that many internally organized events, which sort of bound the OpenAI beta Slack community together. Like we hosted our own events, right? Like I, I think I hosted and joined a few clubhouse events. I, I tried doing a fundraiser for people in Texas uh, through the OpenAI Slack community. That meant that went nowhere. <laughs> but like, 
anyway, so maybe the downsides were all these people coming in and obviously as the community gets super big, it might have too many people that it loses that intimacy. Um, another downside is as a community gets bigger, you have more people just shamelessly plugging. You have more people maybe spamming, although I didn't see that much. Um, and then also at some point, you know, you probably would not be able to keep up with the notifications of the Slack group, right? So pros and cons. What I, what I just don't like is, you know, the online forum has a lot of potential. I think it's good. Those answers will be searchable and forever there in history. They will benefit other people. But I always think there is a benefit to real-time asynchronous communication. It tightens feedback loops. I think it connects the community more. And I guess the question I would just sort of uh, put out there is, does OpenAI even see uh, what they're building as a community sort of thing? right? Like, is the OpenAI beta an actual community? Or is it more like a corporate afterthought, right? Like a lot of companies love the idea of a community. But what they really mean is they want tighter feedback loop. They want, you know, sort of free publicity. Uh, They sort of want other people doing customer support for them, right? I'm not saying that's what OpenAI is doing in this case. I'm just saying most companies tend to see the community as an afterthought, right? Like, to be honest, AWS, their forums are garbage, right? Same with Microsoft, garbage. And like, they have a few people who are paid moderators who sort of answer here and there, but their hope with the community, quote unquote, is all these people will step up and solve each other's problems, right? And so I I just don't know how OpenAI views the community. What's like, what's the role? Do they view it as a community, right? And I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to treat it as a community, right? Like I was, I was excited. So unfortunately in Canada, the vaccines and all that stuff is delayed, but I was excited to get my vaccine and actually start meeting people who, who are building on top of the open AI beta on top of GPT-3 just to hear like all their different techniques and strategies. And I just thought it would be, it would be done through Slack that, you know, we would have these events and everybody would chime in, maybe find a date that works for everyone. And we sort of meet at all these, these different places around the world, right? I thought there'd be more of a bonding. I also think as a developer community, if you see it as a community, you might be able to create something which has the values that OpenAI stands for, right? And everybody, if they feel more tightly bonded, they'll adhere adhere to those values, right? Like, you know, we want to make safe applications. We want to make altruistic applications. We want to make applications, you know, that actually help people uh, with AI technology, right? Um, And also, I just, uh, so like, what I'm saying is, if you if you value the community and you do see the community as an angle, um, you would act differently, right? I also think there's something to be said just about um, competitiveness and the moat, you know? Like, GPT-NEO is hoping to release their own version of GPT-3 with similar parameters. And I just thought maybe on a community level, the OpenAI could could invest in the community and that would be one of their competitive advantages and that community might create more retention and loyalty now gpt neo is its own community but i i just the way i would sort of compare the two communities side by side i think the open ai one is is probably the more mature one the more one that's interested in safety commercialization the other one is cool but i, I it strikes me more as a hobbyist researcher kind of community 
Um, I don't know how much time they, they spend thinking about consequences. That's a whole separate conversation. They do have a safety channel. I, I do monitor it, but I, I don't think they're as big on safety and commercialization and safe deployment as OpenAI is. And I just thought if you create a community, you can instill the values that you want. And then that way you don't need to spend as much time enforcing it, right? Like, like in the same way, like I would say, you know, maybe Twitter has a, a culture problem of toxicity. If, if they had sort of emphasized a lack of toxicity and positivity in the beginning of their, their social network, uh, would it be as toxic now? Simply because the community would enforce and have a culture that suits the kind of culture that they want, right? And I just think by switching to an online forum, you just lose a lot of that culture. I think it's, you know, great. You know, all these common technical questions show up on Google search, right? But you could have crafted a community with the kind of developers that you want, doing the kinds of things that you want, using your technology safely, and also self-policing just through culture, the kinds of things and that you want to see in the world, right? And Maybe this is a technology problem, right? Like maybe Slack just costs too much for a community at that scale. Maybe there isn't good software to ever reach that big of a scale. Like, I don't know, like I hang out on some Discord groups, but when they do get to a certain number of members, you know, the toxicity goes up, the intimacy goes down and all these things sort of go off the rails, right? But maybe somebody needs to make a different kind of technology, which does allow communities to scale and be awesome still, right? And keep in mind, like, shout out to the GPT-3 subreddit, r slash GPT-3. It's awesome, right? But I think it's, it is just a, a sample of the kinds of activity and the discussions which are actually going on in the GPT-3 Slack group, right? And also, I, I wonder, like, are people more hesitant to post on a public forum <laughs> uh, because of the lack of, uh, you know, it's so permanent. Like, it's always going to be there on the web. I don't know if even the technical side and the integration side of GPT-3 is as important. Like I just like the API is, is not the hardest API to use in the world. And, you know, I also believe, um, knowledge of APIs has really permeated in society. You know, this is not like, you know, last decade where, you know, you started Stripe and you realize people really care about documentation. I don't know if that many people care about the OpenAI GPT-3 documentation, right? Like me personally, I care way more about the playground. I spent basically all my time on the OpenAI playground. I've spent maybe a total of 20 minutes my whole life looking at the docs, right? And so I'm just saying like, if, if you value the technical side and teaching people how to use it and ask questions about the technology and integrate it, I, you know, you could have that. <laughs> Or you could have this awesome community of people building awesome, safe things on top of what you've made and sharing that. And you can also have good documentation, right? Like, it's, it's sort of like, where do your priorities lie, right? And I just, I think it's just a missed opportunity, the community in general. Maybe it's something they'll revisit, right? Like, I, I just don't have inside information, but I just, I hate it when people and especially companies ax things which are nascent and have potential. The community was nascent it had potential and you're just going to throw the baby out of throw the baby out with with the bathwater right like it just it didn't need to be that way right um and now it's going to be this online forum it's cool i don't know if i'll check it as much right 
Like, you know, I, I, at least before in the Slack community, I, I felt like I'm connected to these people. We're having great conversations. I'm able to help people in the moment. Uh, whereas the, the community forum, like, look, I'm always happy to help. I just, because there's less intimacy, there's less connection. It'll just feel different, right? And maybe it is more rewarding because your answers will always be there for history to help people in the future. That's good. But at the same time, uh, I just, it feels more one-to-one in a live chat kind of setting. That's all. And so anyways, I think one other criticism that I have about the Slack group shutting down, to be honest, is they didn't ask anybody. They didn't ask anybody in the community, like, what do you guys think about the Slack group? And they could have been honest, right? Like, it will cost us too much. We don't have the budget. Or we're worried about safety concerns. Or we're worried about as the network gets bigger, there's just more chances of harassment, spam. We can't moderate the the Slack group at this level, at the scale that it's at. We just don't have the resources. But they sort of unilaterally decided. And I just, I don't know what that says about how they value the community but i think that's um that's i guess for you to decide (laughs) if they didn't even ask us what do you guys think and they're a company they don't have to right but sometimes i think the community is in their interest right like certainly a lot of the good things i've done in the community and made videos about was because i thought there was a community Right. I thought that there was something more here that I'm a part of that I want to help out and participate in and be a role model and create things for. And I guess without this idea of a community and it's just a online forum, I, I don't know. Like, you know, online forums were really popping in the early 2000s. I just I don't know. Like, do people still feel the same way? Right. Like, I certainly don't spend as much time on forums as I used to. Right. Um, and I guess part of it is because there's just all these other real time sorts of apps. Right. And so anyways, you know, I, I think on the whole OpenAI always viewed the community as an afterthought. I don't think it needed to be that way. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Maybe they'll revisit it in the future. And I understand like there's nothing stopping me from opening a discord, like an unofficial OpenAI beta discord. But it was nice to have them there at the table as well, right? Uh, Participating, monitoring it, uh, encouraging people, uh, you know, having some of the employees also be members. It just, it felt more like the right incubation process for AI as opposed to a corporate top-down approach, right? And honestly, I don't even know, like... How do they think about ethics, right? Like a part of the, part of the cool thing about the Slack group is you could raise ethical issues, hear from them, different people could chime in. Are they just going to be unilaterally making these kinds of decisions? Could they have benefited from the community and getting their feedback around what do you guys think? Um, probably, right? And how will they be managing the social risk and safety stuff now? That's also a concern I have, right? Without the Slack group where it just felt so immediate that you could just bring it up and somebody would sort of bring it into consideration from their side and get back to you. Uh, I don't know, right? But certainly being available through the Slack group encouraged that sort of sharing. And now I wonder, will people share at all, right? Because certainly I don't think anybody's going to be sharing on a public forum <laughs> that these are the ethical concerns that we have. So anyways, uh, that, that's it for today's episode. I just, I wanted to say that they sort of, I feel like they dropped the ball. Uh, I would have liked to at least... <laughs> speak up and say, look, don't shut this community down. Is there something else we could do? Uh, Apparently not, right? Like, I think they're just cutting it off cold. And I guess I'll see you on the online forums. 
I will spend a lot of my time updating my avatar or perhaps adding a cool forum signature. I don't know if anybody listening remembers those <laughs> from back in the day. But anyways, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And anyway, so that's that's uh, this week's episode. I, I might drop out another one next week. We'll see or later this week. I wanted to tell you guys the podcast is now on Spotify. It's also now on Apple Podcasts. So you will be able, you're now able to subscribe. I'm still working on getting Google Podcasts to approve me. I don't know why it's taken so long. Um, and also, of course, no matter what podcast client you're using, you can always copy the RSS code and paste it in. I use Pod- Pocket Casts personally. And so I was able to add the podcast. If you could do that, I would appreciate it. If you could tell your friends, I would appreciate it. And of course, if you could not only subscribe, but add it to your auto download and add it to the top of your queue. I have some really interesting podcast episodes coming up and I'd really appreciate it. And by the way, I'm looking into like having a better visual sort of thing for the YouTube channel. (laughs) Like I... I wanted like some cool videos generated that show the waveforms of the podcast animating as I'm speaking. I thought the last two uh, would do that, the videos that the waveforms would animate, but it didn't. I think it has to do with sort of the podcast client I'm using called Podbean, which has been okay so far, but that video was garbage. And I also think it reduced the compression. Sorry, it compressed it and reduced the quality. of the video as well so the video was garbage and the audio sounded garbage that's just my opinion i'm gonna be working on it like i mentioned the podcast is a work in process work in progress so anyways uh, i'll see you in the next episode thanks so much for listening bye